Shri Damodar Janani by Shivaram Swami Appendix 3 Where is Krishna's flute in Damodar Leela? In writing Shri Damodar Janani, the question arose in my mind as to whether Krishna's flute appears or plays a role in this pastime. If it does not, then when did Krishna begin to play the flute? My immediate answer was that since the flute is Krishna's constant companion in Raj, it is with him from the time he is a baby. After all, have I not seen countless pictures depicting baby Krishna sleeping with his flute, playing it for his elders, or tucking it in his belt as he steals butter? Indeed, I have even seen pictures of Krishna clutching the flute while lying on a banyan leaf in the waters of devastation. There certainly seemed to be a tradition, or at least an understanding, that even as a baby Krishna played or had a flute. But is it so? When I read Shukadeva Goswami's narration of Damodar Lila, there was no mention of the flute. Not wishing to slight the flute's importance by neglecting to include it, I decided to research further into what scriptures and saints say. The first mention of the flute in the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Vachit Vadayo Venum, takes place after the Brajvasis have moved from Gokula to Vrindavan. Sukadev says, Sometimes Krishna and Balaram would play on their flutes. One indication of this statement could be that prior to this pastime, Krishna did not play the flute. Since Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan take place in boyhood, that would be the age that Krishna became a flute player, and not in childhood. The Garga Samhita also introduces the flute at the same time, during the prelude to the bewilderment of Brahma. However, it is well known that the bewilderment of Brahma began at the end of Krishna's childhood and concluded one year later at the beginning of his boyhood. Therefore, accurately speaking, it appears that Srimad Bhagavatam introduces the flute at the end of Krishna's childhood, but in Vrindavan and not in Gokul. Srila Prabhupada also confirms that at the end of his childhood, Krishna had and played flutes. At the end of his Kumara age, he played with cowherd boys of about the same age. He had a slender flute and a buffalo horn bugle, and sometimes he played on a flute made of leaves of trees. These are some of the symptoms of the end of Krishna's Kumara age. Here was another confirmation of the flute's appearance in the last stage of childhood, at a time when the Rajvasis had already relocated to Vrindavan. And while this evidence was certainly conclusive, I was searching for a reference that would clearly state when Krishna assumed his pastime as a flautist. Finally, in Ananda Vrindavana Champu, Chapter 7, I found such a reference. Kavikanapur explicitly describes that Krishna began to play the flute after the killing of Bakasura, a pastime that preceded the bewilderment of Brahma. The Acharya says, At this time, after killing Bakasura, Krishna accepted the flute as his dearest musical instrument. He astonished the people of Vrindavan 
with the incredible artistry and expertise of his flute playing. Commenting on this, the Vrajbasi's housewife said, Oh, dear Krishna, your lips that previously tasted only your mother's breast milk now relish the soft notes of your flute. Which guru has taught you to play so sweetly? O oh, darling Krishna, if you play your melodious flute again, I will adorn your face with tilak. In response, Krishna played exquisitely on his flute to please the hearts of all. The conclusion of the Smritis and Acharyas is also confirmed by Shruti, namely Gopal Tapani Upanishad 144, which depicts Krishna's flute playing as a feature of his boyhood. My research appeared quite conclusive, and yet in the process I also came across references to Krishna playing the flute at the time of his birth in Mathura. Both Garga Samhita and Brahmavavarta Purana recount Krishna's appearance in the prison of Kangsa, and both texts include a full description of Krishna as a full-fledged youth playing his flute. This, of course, need not be a contradiction to our conclusion. Firstly, the initial vision of the Lord was a youth and not of a child. Secondly, Krishna's appearance was meant to reveal his supreme identity, an identity which he subsequently hid at Devaki's request, thus transforming himself into an infant. And that infant then began his pastimes by moving from Mathura to Gokula. Thirdly, neither the description of the infant in Mathura nor the later child in Gokula is there any mention of the flute. So then, where was the flute, Krishna's constant companion? In describing Krishna's birth in Gokul, Kavikarnapur gives the answer. As a child, all of Krishna's paraphernalia was not visible, despite being present in unmanifested forms. Why? Had they been manifest, their presence would either conflict with the devotional mellows or with the chronology of his unfolding pastimes. Yet they were present in either a secondary or in unmanifested forms. The Acharya writes, Thereafter, in fear of Kangsa, Vasudev, Vasudev brought Vasudev Krishna to Gokula. There the Supreme Lord appeared as Govinda before Nanda and Yashoda, his eternal parents, who had been smothering him with the sweetest parental love since time immemorial. The four symbols of Vishnu, Shanka, Chakra, Gada, and Padma, adorned his hands and feet, the flute, flower garland, and Kushtuba gem, present within him, had not yet manifested. Thus, Kavikanapura states that just as Krishna's eternal Vajayanti flower garland was present with Krishna from birth in an unmanifested state, so it was with the flute. And just as the Vajayanti became a visible part of Krishna's daily adornment at a certain time, so the flute became manifest at the juncture of childhood and boyhood. And what about baby Krishna playing the flute in the waters of devastation? While it may make a nice painting, 
Markandeya Rishi's vision of that baby in Srimad Bhagavatam makes no mention of a flute. The infant's dark blue complexion was the color of a flawless emerald. His lotus face shone with the wealth of beauty, and his throat bore marks like the lines on a conch shell. He had a broad chest, finely shaped nose, beautiful eyebrows, and lovely ears that resembled pomegranate flowers, and that had inner folds like conch shells spirals. The corner of his eyes were reddish like the whirl of a lotus, and the fulgence of his coral-like lips slightly reddened the nectarian enchanting smile of his face. As he breathed, his splendid hair trembled, and his deep navel became distorted by the moving folds of skin on his abdomen, which resembled a banyan leaf. The exalted Brahmana watched with amazement as the infant took hold of one of his lotus feet with his graceful fingers, placed a toe within his mouth, and began to suck. In this scene, we see that Krishna does not play the flute. Instead, his lotus lips are busy sucking his toe. Having thus considered the evidence above, my decision was not to include the flute in this book. It may have become fashionable to depict or describe the baby lord with it, but there does not seem to be evidence for such a conception. Rather, evidence indicates that only after the pastime of Yashoda binding Krishna and his felling of the Arjuna trees did the Lord manifest his flute and begin to enchant with its songs all the moving and non-moving entities in Vrindavan. <laughs> 